The text for the sermon this day is taken from that reading from Luke, specifically these verses. Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. This is the text. Grace, peace, and mercy to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Christ is risen. Today, we mark the completion of our series, which was known as Standing at the Cross. We began all the way back at Ash Wednesday, and every midweek service, and then last week with Palm Sunday, Maundy Thursday, Good Friday, focusing on quotes from Luther's sermons. And... And so we have one final one. And actually works really well because that hymn we just sang, if you couldn't tell that from the term, tune that it was very German, it, was, it is Luther's, that was Luther's famous Easter sermon or hymn. But this is the words. It says, the words. Hold on. I, okay, the words, Christ is risen from the dead. We should blazon and inscribe with letters so large that just one letter would be as large as a steeple, yes, as heaven and earth, so that we would see and hear, know and think of nothing but this article. That is from Martin Luther, the sermon for Easter Eve. You know, I think very often we are like those women. Act, we, say we, we say Jesus is risen, that Christ is risen, but we act like we are looking for a dead man. We act and we think as if Jesus is still dead. Or worse yet, that he never lived at all. We show this in two ways. One, and I'm going to poke at this one, but it happens every Easter. Every Easter we have, and I don't know who because I'm not, I haven't been here long enough to know the difference. But there are those who the last time they were at church was either last Christmas or last Easter. And already planning that the next service will be next Easter or next Christmas. That 
is as if we are coming to attend to a dead or non-existent God. Now, if you're saying, ah, that's not me, I'm here every Sunday, I'm good. Well, if you go, when you go out of this church, and you go and you maybe you eat dinner at some restaurant, I don't know what's open today, or you go home to your house and you have dinner with your family, if you do not say one thing at that dinner about what happened this morning, one thing, and I don't care if you're, talk, you're not talking about me, talking about what I did or the escapades we have here, but about what Jesus has done and what was preached about Jesus, if you go straight to the Easter eggs or whatever, which, and the, um, you know, the stuff that people absolutely hate, think they should be in the garbage, the peeps, Anybody in that, they should be in the garbage? Okay. But if you go straight to that, which it's okay if you have that. I actually do like peeps. But if you go straight to that and you skip over talking about what Christ has done, that too is dead. If you go throughout the week and not tell anyone about your faith, I mean, actually speak about it in words, that is a dead faith. We are like the women who are looking for a dead body. But here's, and so there's this quote that somebody gave. And I can't remember who exactly said it. Somebody else might know. But he said that if Jesus has not risen from the dead, then nothing matters. But if Christ has risen from the dead, nothing else matters. And here's the thing. When we say that Christ is risen, we are not talking about a fairy tale. This is not, we're not talking about the Little Mermaid or Aladdin or Frozen and no, we're not going to say let it go or do you want to build a snowman. Christ is risen in history. It is as real as that Donald Trump was elected president back in November. It's as historical as that. And so when we make our faith about a personal opinion, well, well, I believe that, but if you don't want to believe it, that's fine by me. That's just like, well, actually, I should use this example because people are acting like this, but it would be like saying, well, actually, that election didn't happen. It was all, in, it's in, in your heart, it happened that's fine. If it's not in your heart, that's fine. That would be absolutely nonsensical. Granted, in some ways, we do act like that as a country. We, it happened whether we feel it or not. And the evidence is there. There's a famous, there's a story of a man named Gary Habermas who sat down in debate with Anthony Flew. 
Antony Flew was one of the most prominent atheists of the early 21st century. And Antony Flew sat down and told Gary Habermas that there is no good evidence for the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so Gary Habermas took that challenge. And so some of the things he brought up. First off, who's the first witnesses to the resurrection? Women. In the first century, if you were to make up a story, the last thing you would do is use women as your witness. Because in the first century, if you committed murder and the only witness was a woman, the courts would say that nobody saw it. Because they counted women's testimony for nothing. I'm not saying that's fair, but that is the reality of the first century. Which makes it remarkable that the New Testament, all four accounts, have it that women are the first witnesses. If you were to make up a story, that is a bad starting place. Because in that culture, they already treated women with very high skepticism. Then, you had the fact that there was no body. And by the way, if anybody says that Jesus never lived, just dis they are pretty much dismissed as a historian completely. Because you're going to have to denounce a huge amount of documentation. For one, do you realize how many books do we have in most houses telling about Jesus? We always think, oh, it's one, just the Bible. That's just one book. Wrong! The Bible is not one book. It's a collection of books. It's 27 documents of the New Testament telling you in detail about the fact that Jesus lived, that he was crucified, and that he had risen from the dead. In history, we call this primary source documents. That is the best kind of documentation in studying history. The only reason it's thrown away is because people don't like what it says. And that's bad history. And then if that wasn't enough, there's also the writings of the Talmud, which is written by Jews. You have the writings of Josephus, the writings of of Pliny the Younger, the writings of Tacitus, all non-Christian writers attesting that Jesus was crucified under Pontius Pilate. And the writings of the Talmud acknowledge that the tomb was empty, that they could not find a body. Obviously, they won't say that he rose from the dead, but they said they could not find the body. And the disciples... Think of the ones who testified. You had Paul, who was a person who had a rock star life. He had everything going for him. And he knew exactly what the consequences were for following Jesus. The consequence was death. How did Paul know it? Because he was killing Christians. And so all of a sudden... He started professing to be a Christian and saying that he saw Jesus risen. James, the brother of Jesus, 
It, I mean, how, raise your hand if you have siblings. If any of your siblings said, not acted like, said that they were the son of God and that they were going to rise from the dead, how would you think, think of them? Would you look at them like they're nuts? And like I said, don't say that, they, well, they act like they were. Not ask that question. James considered his brother to be an absolute embarrassment. And yet it's attested by Josephus, a Jewish historian, that James was put to death. James, the brother of Jesus, was put to death, refusing to deny that his brother was risen from the dead. Now, I talked about this in the early service. If you remember Watergate, if it, well, if you know, some of you know of it, or if you're like me, you've heard about it on history books and things like that. When it came to Watergate, it only took three weeks to get those people involved to crack and admit that they were lying. The disciples, some of them had up to 60 years, and they did not crack. Even when they were being forced, as many of them were crucified, upside down, one was skinned alive before he was crucified upside down, and they refused to deny that Jesus had risen from the dead. And that makes no sense unless they actually saw it. You don't die for a lie. People may die for things they think is true that is a lie, but in the case of the disciples, they knew whether or not Jesus was risen from the dead. If it was a lie, they knew it was a lie. But they didn't confess it was a lie. They died for it. Because the only thing that makes sense is that it was true. The resurrection is historical. It is as real as Julius Caesar, as Abraham Lincoln, George Washington. And the thing is, because it is real, nothing else in the world matters. This is the whole reason you are here. When you were baptized, when you were brought to faith, I've not seen it yet happen that during a baptism, a child is suddenly lifted up into the heavens. Anybody seen that one yet? If you did, that's awesome. But that doesn't happen. Because you are here for one reason. To blazon that letter, the word that Christ is risen. He is risen indeed, alleluia, from, the ver from our houses, from the top of the water tower. Don't actually climb that, but you get the idea. Proclaiming it to anyone and everyone. Christ has conquered death. He has conquered your sin. Do not be looking to Jesus being dead. No, he is risen physically, bodily, 
Both the Gospel of Matthew and the Gospel of John tells us that they touched him. So this isn't just a spiritual thing. His body rose from the dead. And that means that all who believe in him will also physically rise from the dead. I mean, think about it. Kids, you think of your grandparents or great-grandparents. We have a walker right there. Day's going to come that those who are in walkers will be able to do backflips. I don't know about you, I've never done backflips in my life at this point. But that's what the resurrection means. A glorified body. That is what was won for you. And it is such an awesome thing. This, again, not a fairy tale. It is real. And that is why you, everything you do in your life, if you go to school, if you go to work, you're raising your kids, you're preparing breakfast, lunch, whatever, everything you do is to the service of the proclamation that Christ is risen. You know, we say we were supposed to put God first. That's not accurate. We don't put God first because that means, oh, okay, so I'm on this part, I don't have to deal with God. No. We put God always. Everything we do is in service to God. And so in the year to come in your life, act as if we are not. Realize that Jesus is risen. Do not be seeking the living among the dead. Hear his word. Receive it gladly. Receive the supper as often as you can. The foretaste of that resurrection that is to come. Until he returns. In Jesus' name, amen. The grace, peace, and mercy of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ keep you in the one true faith to life everlasting. Amen. Alleluia! Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Please stand as we confess our common faith in the words of the Nicene Creed.